let's do this. So I don't, I don't need to even try to like regurgitate what I felt that day and what you were talking about. And so I just would love it if you could share like what got you going that day that you were like, I'm sharing this, you know, was it for me? Sometimes it's, I will see, you know, graphic posts, someone else's posts. And I'm like, Oh, I, I need, I need to bring the other side to that. (laughs) Right, right, right. That day, let me say, you know what it is? I think number one, it's just like the time that we're in right now, right? Like this is a time where we are as a, as a collective Hmm. are getting back to our feminine nature, our feminine energy. I think we have all at this point realized that how we run, you know, our, our country just, everything is really just based on, you know, like a very masculine or even something, you know, toxic masculinity, but it goes, I'm like, man, we're getting back to our feminine flow as a collective, as mirroring back nature, like how we do things. Um, For me, and this is just the root of, I guess, why it was, it kind of, I guess, triggered me, right? Um, I'm so big on who God is, right? Uh, Who God is, to me personally, and the way that I, and I'm sharing this so it'll kind of make a little bit of sense when I say what actually triggered me and why I came up. For me, the way I look at God is I look at God as if, if me and you are sisters and we have the same dad and um, you might call dad pops, I call him dad. We have another sibling that calls him poppy. Whatever it is, our relationships are different with dad And dad may discipline us differently. Um, He may hold us accountable for different things because we're different ages. Uh, We have different relationships with our same father. We call him by different names. But at the end of the day, God is God. He's so much bigger than what we call him. Like, you know, as if your mom called you, God is so many things. But God also has a masculine and feminine nature. We, We are all created in God's image men and women. And so there's a, we reflect back to the world or out to the world, the feminine nature of God, our softness, our sensuality, our flow, Mm -hmm. our intuition. And men are, you know, it's a lot of logic and action and angles and both complement so each other in such a beautiful way, as long as we both make, create space for each other to do that. And if you're anything like me, like I was raised in the church, like we were definitely like raised in church, vacation, Bible school in the summertime, yep. uh, Bible study Wednesdays, yep. you know, might even go to church yeah. twice on a Sunday. <laughs> and so I was raised in church and um, loved it. I'm very grateful for my foundation of faith because for me, I believe that the world is changing and church looks very different. And my biggest thing is at the end of the day, God is love. God is love. We know what love is. Love is compassionate. Love is forgiving. Love is nurturing. Love is giving. And so if we are created to be like Christ or like God, then we're created to love. And we know what love looks like, right? If you want to just use the Bible, like they tell us in Corinthians, like this is what love is. So my job is to be Christ, like to be like love. And if I want to be more like God, like I remember having that revelation, like my only job really forget, you know, like 10 commandments, all that stuff is good, but I wouldn't even need the 10 commandments if I just focused on becoming more like love. And so from that space, it's like, um, if I'm to be love, then, and church is looking different. There is a generation of plenty of people who will never step foot in a church. What does their experience with me look like? Does it reflect back to them love or the God that I talk about? Or is it all shame, condemnation, fear? Mm. Because that's not God. That's fear, yeah. shame, condemnation. Yeah. And if God says, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the way that I see, like if, if God says I am love and be more like me, then we're, we're overcomplicating it. Um, but specific in church culture We see a lot of times, you know, don't wear this to church as women. Don't wear this to church. If you go to church, you should dress like this and you shouldn't wear this. And um, of course, if you're like me, like sex is get out of here. We're not talking about that. Like you're not talking about the only thing you know is you're not having sex when you get married. That's That's the end of that conversation. You don't have sex, (laughs) right? That's it. That's all you need to know. You don't do it till you get married. And of course, like we're all Mm -hmm. curious. And I don't know if I was a rebel, right? I'm going to be more curious about all the things I'm not supposed to do because it's like, what's this? (laughs) 
good thing they're keeping. <laughs> what is this thing? Right. You know, like, it's so they want to keep it for themselves and don't want me to do it. But yeah, yeah. it's like, but that's so like I watched day. you doing the beast last night with my daughter. And it's like, where does where does she want to go? She wants to go to the West Wing because she's not supposed to. <laughs> exactly. Like we want to do the one thing that's off versus um, or, even, you know, like how, we, you know, we get into the issues of like Planned Parenthood and all these different things. But it at the end of the day, it's kind of like if we really taught the root of these mm-hmm. things, the love, if we got back to that, we wouldn't need the Ten Commandments because everyone is coming from a place of love. We wouldn't need this is your job, all these rules, this shame, because everyone would be working towards being that way. But um, what triggered me the other day, there was a, a pastor named Mike Todd, and I've listened to several of his messages. And he's a great teacher, a great speaker, great pastor. He's not my pastor. I don't attend his church. I don't choose him as like a, mm-hmm. you know, soul leader or anything like that. But I do believe he's a man who's gifted and called to speak. Um, but specific to this example, I saw where he was preaching a message and he said to his congregation, um, men, you know, I'm asking you to be better husbands. I'm asking you to be providers, to protect your family. I'm asking you to be good husbands, not just out here trying to uh, impress your college buddies. And then he said, for women, I'm asking you not to um, not to do the silhouette challenge. Mm. Right? I'm asking you not to do the silhouette challenge. I'm asking you to be good wives and good mothers and nurturers. I'm asking you not to be impressive with your body, but impactful with your mind. And I was mm. like, mm. no, <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, Mike Ty. Because I'm I'm so sick of several things here like with the background in psychology it it is almost a form of of gaslighting like because if you're impressed or aroused by my body then you can no longer see my mind I'm responsible for that or is that a you yeah yep don't make it my thing that's a you Mm -hmm. thing um and so it's like this collective church culture gaslighting thing don't wear this to church because you know, that's tempting. And this is, wait a minute, because if we're all here trying to grow out of our flesh or, you know, they say the worldly things, if we're all here to kind of, you know, discipline ourselves, isn't it your job to discipline? Shouldn't you be able to turn away from the things that are just not for you? Um, And I don't even think there's wrong with someone saying tastefully, I I just don't like the silhouette challenge. That's a different statement. I don't like the silhouette challenge. I personally think it's a little bit, that's your opinion. But when you start to take a programming, that is based on shaming women for participating in a challenge that celebrates their body and their sensuality. And the only thing you have to say to these guys is, you know, don't be out here trying to impress your college buddies. But women, if we do the silhouette challenge, we just can't be shit else, I guess. And I I was just like, no, no, I can be impressive and impactful. I can be sensual and extremely intelligent. I, I can do, stop, like, I hate when people especially go to church because you're looking, that's where you're going for truth. You're going to grow, going to, you know, try to grow and um, growing to get, hopefully get better and, and grow in character and morals. Like, you're not going to church or looking for God to be shamed or condemned or judged like that. And especially with women, I'm like, wait a minute, sensuality and sexuality, number one, is two very different things. And if I choose to celebrate my sensuality, whether it's with an outfit, a dance, mm-hmm. a challenge, if I choose to to celebrate my sensuality and even show it off, right. and then you take that and make it sexual or it becomes about your sexual attraction to me, that has nothing to do with me. So I don't like to see pastors or preachers get in a pulpit and shame women for doing a challenge that celebrates their sensuality because they were turned on or attractive or they feel like it's too much. No, you don't, you work on you. Well, I, I, if you don't, I think that's mm-hmm. what like hit me so much when I was listening to you the other day was because I was like, I feel like sensual is almost like self gratification. You know, when, mm-hmm, when sure. you feel that way, I mean, yes, of course, there's definitely times that we feel sexual, but when I feel like when we're putting it out there, when we're sharing it, it's like this self gratification and you're like let it be known I feel this way and then sexual I I just totally felt the same way as like when you were saying that it's almost like physical thoughts of others so by what like what you said by what you put out there by what you do what you wear what you speak what you say 
if someone feels that and interprets that, like that's, that's on them. Right. It (laughs) is totally. And I, I, it happens all the time where, because it wasn't even just that Mm. part, but following what he said is like, I'm asking you not to be impressive with your body, but impactful. Mm. You would act as though like you can't be both. both. So if I, if I'm impressive with my body, I can't be, I'm no, I'm voided out of making impact. Like what? No, because God said I can be all of that, all of the things. Yeah. If I'm created in God's nature, stop trying to put these limits on me. Well, and that's then, where course, so many women I feel like stuck, you know, right? Like so yeah, many, so many sure. women are like, well, I'm a mom now, so I can't do this anymore. I'm married now, so <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I always say you know, that big thing that was going around, like, get you a girl that can do both. I'm like, get you a girl that can do all the things. <laughs> All the things. Okay. All Why the can't things. we do all of them and, and rock out those areas of whatever it is that we're doing? And that's that's where prioritizing comes in. That's where knowing yeah. your truth comes in. That's where, you know, honoring your time. Like right now you're this, tomorrow you're this, tonight you're this. Like you be that and own it. Right. No, I totally agree. It's it's exactly that. And I, I think like when you say like how what was it? He said, um, not only just being like all of the, how women can be all of the things, but, and then the whole gaslighting, like if you, if I, you know, I'm aroused by your body or you're too sexual, then you can't be this or that. And even what we do, you know, as ourselves, like you're saying, you're like, oh, I'm a mom. I can't do this. or I'm a wife. I have to dress like this. There's a couple things that just drive me nuts about that because one in church culture, like growing up, like I said, you know, we're taught you just don't have sex till you get married, right? Everything else you do is demonic mm. or yeah, you're too fast or you're too sexy or you're, you know, don't dress like this because, and then you get married and they want you to bust it open. Yeah. And now you don't even know how to drop it low for your husband because you were taught it. You're was scared. Demonic. And yeah. Yeah. You don't even know, you know, they want you hanging from chandeliers right. because you said I do. It doesn't automatically kick in. If women are not okay with embracing their bodies, embracing their sensuality, seeing the beauty in their sexuality, then how do you expect us to then get married? And then what, it's a switch? Like, that's not real. And that's, yeah, like you're saying, that's just what's expected. And then all of a sudden, you know, you feel like you're failing and then you're, you know, you're a newlywed or you're a couple years in and you're like, well, this is not what, what people cracked it up to be because you're not allowing yourself to be your full self. You're not aligned. You're not in tune. You're not even fully mm-hmm. connected, you know, with yourself or with your spouse right. because you're scared. And especially getting married young, you're like, well, if I do right. it this way, right. I'm not going to be accepted anymore into church or right. how am I going to be viewed to my family? Right. It's like, this is your new right. family. This is your new life. You know, this is, you, you have to really not even rediscover. You got to create this new version of yourself and teach yourself what is okay and what is good and what feels good and what, you know, it's like this whole learning process that doesn't get talked about. It just gets skipped over. And we're supposed to just know that there's this learning phase of it, of learning who we are instead of, like you said, teaching that and being allowed to discover that being allowed that it's our body. Right to know it because even then what happens after that you get married and then you end up in the counselor's office and your husband is like well you know she's not filling my needs sexually and and we can't do this and I thought it was going to be like this and because the the other issue in like when it comes to church and we're not holding men to that same standard you know what I mean so now they're getting married with these expectations of okay this is how my wife is supposed to behave and act plus do all yeah. the swinging from the chandeliers and dropping it low and all this stuff. And right. the women the whole time are just taught, no, 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 cover mm-hmm. it up. Don't do it. Suppress it. And then we're just supposed to know. And so I don't, I don't think that, I think we do ourselves, our children and really just women all over a disservice when we're not, what is the feminine essence of God? What is, what are the things that, you know, God made women to create and mirror back in nature? And how do we get to know that for ourselves? Even if it's not yeah. about a man, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. What feels good to me so that I know so that we're both satisfied. And because even when you get into sex and stuff, that's a, an energetic exchange. Yeah. So, yeah, there's the physical part. But if I don't know myself, like you said, if I don't understand my, my inner workings, how do I reflect that outwardly? And so yeah, and it, get stuck. it's also going to be one of those things that it's never even going to be 
physically enjoyable or you're not even going to mentally be in it because you have this surface idea that that's where it stays. It's just a physical connection and not Mm -hmm. like you're saying it's, it's magnetic. It's Mm -hmm. a, a true full connection. But if you don't know yourself and you don't discover and you don't feel and you, and you're not willing to say, this is uncomfortable. This is a topic that was not discussed with me. Just like you said, yeah, we don't talk about sex. You don't do that until you're this age. We don't talk about this in here. And I mean, to kind of push on that even more, I remember, you know, growing up and hearing in the church that if, you know, he does go with somebody else, if he does go outside of the marriage, then that woman wasn't doing her job. Right, right, right. (laughs) And, and, you know, I've even heard, you know, women of the church and, and even in my own family say like, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You need to make sure that he's taken care of no matter what he has those needs, you know, he has those needs and it's like, are we allowed to talk about that we have needs too? <laughs> right. It's it's that. And that's part of, I think it's the overall. And I, I think even though that was like one small piece of, you know, a, a clip of his sermon, such an important clip, it was, to me, it was the, it was the easy, you know, target. It's something trending yeah. right now, the silhouette thing, but it was a piss poor uh, example to me of women unable to be impactful and impressive and, you know, both and yeah. why we can't be sensual. It's, you should be, we should all be teaching our daughters to really celebrate their bodies and their sensualities throughout life. So that, like you said, when we get older, we have that connections with ourselves and our needs and what do we need to feel good. But the issue that like the deeper cause of that, I think what's triggering me, because it's not just this issue, mm-hmm. um, but growing up in church. And then as I've gotten older, like I've started to research and read not just the Bible, but other books about the roots of Christianity. If I call myself a Christian and I think in the video, I use the example of like when we pledge sororities, men pledge fraternities, we take the time to get to know who the founders were by name, what year and date it was established, where, what school it was established at, who were the founding members. We get to know everything before we pledge our commitment to this sorority or fraternity. But yeah. oftentimes in church, you know, it's it's a family thing where you're kind of just, you're, you're born into a Christian family. So you go to Christian church and you learn yeah. what you kind of just keep it's this it's a programming and then yeah for sure you are calling it a belief but you don't even know if you really believe it you just said yeah that's my belief I'm a Christian yeah yeah you that's don't how really I was raised. take the time to ask questions and the the scary part about that is like you're taught not to ask questions because right then you're questioning God and like oh no I can't question God then I'm going straight to hell Yep. And so now you stay in that pattern of really not knowing or there's stuff that doesn't make sense in the Bible. Like there's so much that doesn't make sense, but we don't take the time to question, not not just to question it to say, see, I told you the Bible wasn't true. I, the, I love reading my Bible. I read it often. I study it. I think it's such a valuable, timeless book, but it is not the only work inspired by the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but most of, for me, I know growing up in church, what I was taught was based on, you know, the King James version of the Bible. And it literally says King James version, right? Yes. Like that, that version. Right. So not only is it inspired by man and my belief is, you know, God and Holy Spirit can inspire a man, but anytime we involve a human in any process, there's room for flaw. There's room yep. for error. There's room for misinterpretation. It doesn't mean you void out the whole thing altogether. To- it just right. means that, okay, wait a minute. I do have to still understand. I'm a man. I'm a human who can be used by God. But that doesn't mean I get it right 100% of the time. And how many times did that happen when each one of the, you know, the prophets and the people in the Bible were writing the Bible? But outside of that, for, let's, for, let's say it was all perfect. It was great. And then it gets to King Germs and King James, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm not that part, because then I don't want these women in the kingdom thinking this is okay, and yes. not this part, because then they're no, because I need them to listen to this law, because I need these taxes, so no, not that one." So you're like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, you're t- picking and choosing, right? So mm-hmm. there's all these women in the Bible, and we don't hear a lot of the bet. Like, who was Mary as a woman? What were her hobbies when right. Jesus turned water to wine? Like. It, to me, me and my friends were joking because I was like, I kind of feel like it was one of those things like when you know the latest dance and your aunties are over the house and your mom is like, hey, <laughs> come in here and do that thing. Show your aunties that dance you guys are doing. Sing that song right. you were singing. It. I personally, it may have been the first recorded miracle in the Bible, but didn't Mary go to Jesus? And she was probably like, Jesus, do, hey, do that thing you did at home the other day. Like, we got it. We're running out of wine. You know, that's right. We make it yeah, so deep. Teach these people some things. Right. We make it so deep <laughs> and it's very practical. And it's like, 
Well, that was alchemy, right? When we turn one thing into another and transmute pain into passion and failure into this huge, like it's, it's, yeah, that's alchemy. And why do we sit up here and say like, well, this and that is witchcraft or this is bad, but this is not. But we're so quick to say, you know, in the Bible, like God told us like, no, I'm doing these works and you'll do even greater. Mm. But we kind of, you know what I mean? When we get taught in church, they kind of leave certain parts out. And then the parts that don't add up, you're kind of like, well, well, God raised this person from the dead. And then he said, we're going to do greater works. And then when we see people healing or laying hands, which some might consider Reiki or, you know, we talk about the people who read the stars in the Bible and then astrology is demonic too. all this. And it's like, wait a minute, this is all in the word. So if you guys are picking and choosing what we're getting taught and then we're just, we're programmed. Like, what do we really believe? What parts are being left out? Well, it's kind of like bringing it to the, to the times of now where it's like, even the Bible had a highlight reel, right? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's an entirely different time and world, but what's going on behind the scenes? Right. What is that person like? Right. You know, what, what happened before that? When, you know, like all these situations. And I think there's just a certain amount of people that are willing to question that, uh-huh. that are willing to, to look at other uh, books and other versions and dig in. I mean, people have completely different, religions and upbringing saying, Hey, I'm going to get this book of Mormon. I'm going to check this out. I'm going to get this book. I'm going to check this out. I'm going to get this version of the Bible, even though I know that a person that wrote this other book, that's completely not religious based also wrote this version of the Bible. Like some things are crazy, but let's dig into it a little bit more. Let's, you know, educating yourself can be really uncomfortable. Right. And it can, like, like you said, it can trigger and it can bring up things that, we had our blinders on and we were told to just like see it as one way or you're doing it the wrong way. You're doing it against. I mean, it just reminds me too of like getting your first tattoo, you know, and when the church sees it or your parents sees it (laughs) and the conversation that goes with that, it's like, ah, right. (laughs) Especially when it's it's like, when it comes to women too, like when you talk about and what was it? Um, Oh, man. Uh, What scripture? A friend of mine just spoke about this and she was saying it was when Paul was telling. um, When he says, like, every woman's body belongs to her husband's, every husband belongs to a man and you should only marry your kind and this, you know what I mean? Like it's it's in Corinthians. And it says Uh, if your your body belongs to your husband, your husband's body belongs to you. And I think I think it is Corinthians and the whole like prophecy, right? Worship, which is where you get into that programming, like you were saying, where you're taught. Well, even if me and my husband are having issues, or even if I'm mad, I need to have sex with him because my body belongs to him. And we have generations living this system, right? Passing it down. And did Mm -hmm. anyone go back? And my friend was like, "No." Like in there, it literally says, Paul says. This is not, I'm not saying God said this, and I'm not saying this is part of the part that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He literally says, this is my opinion, but I feel like it's okay mm-hmm. for me to share it. Women's belongs, and you know, women's wives belongs. Yeah. So he literally says, this is my opinion. I'm going to stick this in here, right? This is my opinion. And then you have generations, thousands of Living. years later thinking, oh, well, that means if I'm mad at my husband, I still need to have sex because my body belongs to him. Right. And, and, and while we do that, we should also be like, what, covering our heads and not cutting our hair and get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, and we're, and it's the highlight reel that goes on and on and on. And like you said, this is what you wear when you come here. And, you know, me and you were messaging about the other day. And I remember just sharing with somebody like, I don't become a car because I sit inside of a garage. I don't, I don't become a Christian because I go to a church. Like your character your morale, your, your way of life, right. the, the way you think, the way you act, the way you're bringing up your kids and, you know, on the whole sensual and, and sexual thing, I shared before on social media that a woman had reached out to me and told me that, you know, sister to sister, she wanted me to know that when the time comes that my daughter finds my social media, she is going to be just so embarrassed that I'm her mother. That's so sad. And I was like, you know, I, I actually think the complete opposite. I, I agree. I agree. She's gonna. Like, I my think mom that she will badass. be 
<laughs> I'm like, I, I hope, you know, my hope is that, yeah, because, you know, their whole mindset was like, well, what goes on the internet, you know, is on there for good. It's like, so be it, you know, um, I hope she's empowered. Yeah, for sure. I hope she sees that she can be what she wants to be, right. that she needs to get any limiting beliefs and lids off of her head. Absolutely. And if that means that, you know, she feels that self-gratification and, and releases it in a sensual way and let it be known to the world that she has sex with her husband. <laughs> God, <'cause, laughs> I mean, she's Gosh, like, let it be known. And, you know, so I had shared that and I didn't share like who it was or anything, but I was curious to see how women that I do interact with and that I do respect and they respect me back what their opinion would be. And obviously I knew, like, just by bringing it up today, I was like, I knew how Kyla was going to feel about it. Like, no, that's not how a daughter would feel, you know, or, or a child. And, um, it's just different. It's a different time. And I think that there's that grace to give to it as well as, you know, different generations and they'll see things and they don't know what we're doing on social media. Right. They can't process it. Like why, what? (laughs) I think it's, it's kind of like, it's one of those things where, it, it was it was kind of like a two part when I saw the video and it triggered me. It was the two part of number one, p- us as people often taking uh, religion over relationship and really getting to know a person like I we can talk about Beyonce all day. I know of Beyonce. I know about right. Beyonce. Kelly knows Beyonce. Her relationship is with Beyonce. So what she has to say, she's taking the time to get to know her as a person. You know what I mean? And we, a lot of times talk and share the Bible or religion or quotes as though we talk to God ourselves and we're not, we're just taking what we're spoon fed. We know of God. We know, Mm -hmm. of you know, we know what the pastor said God is and how he said we should live. And my thing is just, if, if you, after reading the Bible and, and personally spending time with God and doing research and reading other books and, you know, just asking Holy Spirit for your own discernment when you study, if you, after all of that, still come to the conclusion that, well, I do think I should dress this way and not do this, then that's cool. That's your personal belief and you can call it your own. But there's mm-hmm. too many people who are not taking the time to do that And not only are they calling it their own or labeling themselves Christian, but then they're making this the standard for everyone else and passing down their opinions and passing down what they got passed down without taking the time to ask the questions, what has changed since then? Because God has did it. He hasn't stopped inspired. You think there's no more inspired works from God now? Like he just did the Bible and it was like, that's it. Just these people, I'm going to inspire these words and that's just it. There's plenty of books. It's the reason why when we pray for wisdom and discernment and teachers that you might get led to a bookstore and you might get led to a certain book. And it doesn't necessarily have to say, God doesn't need you to say everything has to be marked Christian or everything has to be. God is, there's an artist in God. Uh, Sometimes you're a painter and you paint, those are your prayers. If you're a dancer and you dance, that's your language between you and God. If you're a, a, a writer that could be your prayers. Like we make it this, if you're not up at 6 a.m. and praying yeah. and you read your Bible for 10 minutes a day and you do the Daniel fast every first of the new year, we're doing all the things and calling it our beliefs. And it's really just programming. So that was that one yeah, being, you know? Yeah. Be, being willing to be, to go to step outside of the box for that, that fear of disappointing mm-hmm you know, the church for disappointing your upbringing for disappointing, whoever it may be that, you know, I remember hearing way back in the day, people talking about how nature was their church. And when you're so, you know, brainwashed, right, lack right. Of better words, right. You are like, right. what? That right. is not. And it is that true connection of finding what just, yeah, we can keep it simple and say what fills your cup, but really like, with who you are, the more connected you are to yourself and how, you know, like you're going to get fed. I remember the years of being like that sermon really Mm -hmm. fed me, you know, Oh, that pastor like just feeds my soul. But then there's going to be times that that's not it. It's not enough. That's not the right right person to speak to you. And it will come in other forms. And just like you said, when we pray for things and we feel that nug and pull. We we've had this conversation of how we even found each other. We're like, I don't know, but right. yes. For sure. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk. Absolutely. Like, period. And and you just you own that and you trust it and you never say like, that's so weird, Kyla. I don't even know how. It's like, no, you know. We right. know. Right. And 
because we have fed each other and it can be a friend. It can be a spouse. It can be, you know, you open up the internet and you find something, but you got to ask for it. You got to be open to it. Just like our visions, our hopes, our desires, like looking for it, being open to it. That's who he gives that to. Those of us that are like, all right, like we talked about, you know, earlier, just on our personal call, like, I'm going to give you this because I know you're going to make it come to life. Right. I know you're going to listen. I know you'll go after it. I know you'll fight for it. And those are the same people that are willing to say, I want to read more about Mary. Yeah. I want to know more about Esther and whoever it may be. And what's there's, there's more. And those parts that we don't know more and we can't find it. It's like, all right. So we go on to something else. We learn something else and we're not just stuck in one way. And, you know, I, I agree with you of like, how do we teach that? How do we teach our children moral? Because I think that's going to be the biggest question for people. How do we teach them moral and good character while also teaching them sensual and, and teaching them, you know, sensuality and connection? And this is your body and it's going to be here right. and serve you for the rest of your life. Love it. Right. Own it. I think I think a big part of that is going to be us, number one, getting away from just programming, just doing what we were programmed mm. to do. And start asking questions. Um, I th- I think you have, for me, like, you know, you go to church and I say, like, you know, you invite God in your life, you invite Jesus in your life, and he comes into your heart. And when God created us in his essence, right, like, and he, cre- he made us women as we are with all of our things. And even when we have children, um, when you have children, God saw fit to make you the mother of that child. I, I trust yeah. you with this child. I trust that you have what this child needs. Even in our, like, even when it's trauma that you get from your parents, that's meant to be like part of your story so that whatever it is you're supposed to do in the world, you know, we're, yes, we're humans, but I trust that with my flaws, with my mess, with all of this, God said, you're the mother for yeah. this child. And so I don't need necessarily a book. I can go, you know, I ask for tips and I can ask for pray directly and ask for guidance. And, but at the end of the day, like you are already, God always creates the provision before the dream, before the child, he always creates, you know what I mean? The mother comes before the child. So it, yeah, you have everything you need. And it's the more we trust ourselves and stop looking for sources outside of ourselves, I can trust the God in me more mm. than I can trust just what I hear on Sunday to tell me how to raise my daughter and tell her what she should or shouldn't do. If I find a church who is, you know what I mean? Like is, and they, they preach truth about who God is and then cool. But if, like you said, if we're not talking about sensuality in church, which is fine, talk about it at home. I have to trust the God in me who is very much alive. This is not a, you know, we tend to look at it as like the Bible days and we see God as this man with this beard and uh, you know what I mean? Like if, once we make right. God a person or an individual, we've mm-hmm. already made him way, we made him smaller. We could understand like our little human limiting. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I yeah. trust the God in me so much that there's the sensuality, the flow, the softness, the intuition. If I trust my intuition, then my daughter will trust hers. If I celebrate my body, mm-hmm. my daughter will celebrate hers. If I embrace my sensuality, and my emotions, and then and and then I teach her, you know, what it looks like to love a partner, and respect a part. Like they learn because we all know, like children do what they see us do. We can tell them don't do this and don't yep. do that, but children do what they see us do. So I think by us just getting back to where we celebrate ourselves as women, including our sensuality, including our body, including our minds, including our just all the beautiful things and amazing things about us, then our daughters will do that. If they see us asking the questions and seeking relationship over religion, then they will do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I mean, it shows them that we trust ourselves. It shows them that we feel capable. And that is just one of the most powerful words for me, because I know that there's many, many months and years in a woman's life where they just don't feel capable. They don't feel capable and then they become a mother and it carries over. How am I going to do this? Right. Oh my God, this is my responsibility. How am I going to show this and do this? And we have to take that step of, okay, I can be better right. today than yesterday. So what can I do? What can I do more of? What can I do less of? What did I learn yesterday? 
And the more we are willing to become better, uh, another word, becoming, it's not a Mm one-time thing. (laughs) You have to wake up every day and choose to become and try. And that is effort. Right. And we can show them that, like you're saying, it's, I think that that's the struggle with finding a church or a place, you know, that really special feeling of a home church because of the fact that when you truly know yourself and you trust the way that you want to Mm -hmm. bring your family up, you're not looking for someone else to tell you how to do it, but you are only accepting a place and people that align with your truth. And then they can add to it. But when we allow somebody else and something else to be the only thing that educates us, then we also allow that thing to strip us. Mm of joy, right? Strip us of knowledge and capability, like such a disservice to who we are and what we're capable of. And then allowing them to see that like, well, mommy feels like she can do that. So when I grow up, I can too. Well, daddy did this. I can too. Cause like you said, we can tell them anything we want, <laughs> but they feel, they learn, they see, and then they act and they, and they react how we do. It's, it's, and most importantly, I think what I love most that you said is yeah. they were chosen to be ours. And that's something that, you know, when I went through losses, I would tell myself, like, she wasn't listen, meant to be mine. Let me tell you that I wasn't meant to uh, be her, listen, her mommy. When, when I hear it's, it's what came to, I remember, I want to say his name is, if it's not Max Lucado, then it's Maxwell. Let me see. I think I have um, a book. I can't remember. I think it was Max Lucado, but he said, we teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. And I was like, oh, that is, oh, because so many times mm. we're like, you know, we, we tell our kids, don't do this, don't do that. Like we're teaching, but really like we're going to reproduce what we are. So instead of telling your kid, let, just let them see you be it. Let them see you embody it. Yeah. And to your point, when you just said so many women like are often like we don't feel capable that is one of the biggest mind books because part of the reason we don't feel capable is because we're allowing society or certain churches or religion to tell us this is what a mother looks like. And so if you're not built like that and your mothering or your parenting style looks different, then you don't feel capable because you're comparing it to something you were never meant to be. You are more than capable of being the mother this child needs because your child is created to be different, is created to be, there's no cook, one cookie cut type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, so we're sitting here like, how many yeah, times yeah. Do you do that? it's the same thing with beauty. That's kind of the point of all this, right? Like we're taught like a wife looks like exactly. this. So it's a, I'm probably not a yeah. good wife or she's yeah. not a good wife because she's not doing this. No, I'm created to be this man's wife. And this man likes this. Exactly. Like, <laughs> you know? Thank you. Right. Like, yeah, he wants me like this. This is what fills him up. He accepts this. You know, it's just like when people go through um, changes or separations and they work through things and everyone's like, well, this could never happen for me or this would never work for me. That's great, Karen. (laughs) This is not your marriage. And this serves me. This serves him. This aligns with let's go next level. This aligns Uh with how we healed each of our childhood traumas. This aligns with who we worked on and healed those wounds. You come back to me after you have done your own healing and he's done his, And then you tell me what actually aligns because that's next level. That's a whole different place. And um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's even the whole cookie cutter thing. I, I can tell you that one of the things that I just don't fully get behind is like my daughter right. is oh, not a God, mini no. me. No, no, she, right? Like right. she is her own person. I don't care if she looks like me, if my son looks like me, if my son looks like, you know, my husband. Yeah. I, that's not the I, goal here. I am yeah. on this earth to be me. I am meant to use and be and do and bring, you know, whatever I am meant to bring. And she has this own entire I like, remember pot of that magic. makes me think I was I was a flight attendant for 10 years and when I first started out my son was I think he had just turned three and I remember I was feeling really guilty about you know leaving and I would usually try to just fly on the weekend so it was more so like okay mom's here all week and then I'm with my grandparents and my dad on the weekend when mom goes to work so it wasn't even though yeah. it was three four days you know it was hard on me I felt guilty 
Um, and I remember my mom saying right. like, no, with, with everything you have going on again, you're the mom that God designed for this child. Like you're doing what you need to do. He's fine. He's loved. But she also reminded me like, just like God is writing your story, God is writing your children's story. They belong to God before they belong to you. And I think I posted something a few years ago on Instagram that was just writing about, I'm so grateful for my son. And he's one of my biggest teachers. Like we always think that we birth these kids, we're mm-hmm. supposed to teach them and program them this way. And they're really often here to be our teachers. Um, I, I personally, you know, yes. like I said, like, I feel like children do come through us, not to us. You know, we educate them, give them the experiences, give them the education, give them the truth and, you know, encourage their talents, figure out what they're good at and nurture. Don't, I wanted to be a doctor. That's not his dream. I don't need to try to push that on him. What was he put on this earth to do? Because there's an assignment from, you know, Mm -hmm. God, from his creator, there's an assignment within him that overrides the dream that I had as a kid that was never fulfilled. Or, you know, if he's created to be an artist, because he may be, if you want to even just make it simple, like we may push a kid to be a doctor, maybe they'll be a successful doctor and maybe they'll make a great six figures, but maybe he was born to be an artist and now he thrives as an artist and he's happy as a person. And he builds that's a partnership right. and a life and a, chooses a partner that's good for who he is, not who I raised him to be. So now, you know, he's a doctor. Okay. And then he marries someone who fits into this doctor life, but they're not meant to, that's not the life they're meant to. They end up having issues or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want my child to be right. a exactly. person. What they do for a living is not who they are all the time. Now, when we can make money like in our dream when they color out it's magic you know if you're born to be an artist and you can support exactly like great but it's I want to raise a good person I want to raise a good person I want to raise an amazing woman and then whatever it is I have to trust that whatever I've planted in them whatever I've sown whatever I've done and you know raising them whatever I've given them they then take that and build a life that is fulfilling to them that is true to who they are not what I wanted them to be it's uh, the same way like we say our our outworld our outward world our external world reflects who we are internally look at us now like we're walking around we have our mask on we have to keep our mask on and it's Mm. not funny but the point is like how long have we been walking around wearing masks really we're saying since the pandemic but people have been wearing masks whether it was their titles whether it was their trauma whether it was me pretending to mm. be this or that, you know what I mean? Me, whether it was being the cookie cutter wife, right. and I really just yeah. want to go, you know, and travel in Paris and learn a new language. Like we've been wearing masks for a very long time as a collective. Yeah. And now it's almost like the outward manifestation of we have to wear masks literally for our lives, right? To like reset and get ourselves together. Like we have to wear masks now, but we've really been wearing masks for a very long time. How about we... And I think that's one of the things that we're trying to do as parents, right? We're trying to right. prevent them from that. We're trying to prevent them from ending up 27 years old or 47 years old and being like, right. what the hell have I been doing? You know, who, who am I? What do I want? What is this life? And, you know, I, I know I hear like our job as parents is to try to prevent them from uh, as, as much therapy as we right, can, right. we're all going to need it. <laughs> We all need, we all need some healing, but let's, let's try to set them up for as little, you know, as possible. And, you know, I got a lot of, um, just kind of confused comments when I had shared about my son getting really good grades when he was still in public school and, you know, that I had a conversation with him saying like, that's really great. But all that matters to me about this report card is who you are, Mm -hmm. how you treat people what you do in that classroom, who you sit with, how you respect your Character. teacher. Like, I want yeah. to know that. And I would request yeah. that in the notes for the card. Because I'm like, our purpose is to raise good humans. I will be so happy if they're also intelligent, if they're also artistic, if they're also, you know, in tune with how, uh, whatever they are, connection into it. But I want to know that we are raising good humans because that's yeah. what, that's what we need more of. And, you know, people were really caught off guard by the fact that I wasn't impressed by, no, it's you know, great. I mean, it's great. It means he's, it means he can read, and it, has it to means be more. he can regurgitate what, what was in the book. It means right. he can add these numbers, but we've all known douchebags with degrees. Like we, we've all, you know what I mean? I know some of the biggest that's assholes right. with PhDs, but like, who yeah. are you as a person? Cause I don't care what's on the wall. How do you treat other people? 
Exactly. And that's what I told him. I said, you could be the smartest person in the world, but if you don't have a good heart, you're not going to have a good life. You're not going to feel the way that mommy and daddy want you to feel and the way that you deserve to feel. And while you're ours, because the truth of the matter is they're only ours for so long, you know, right. They were given, like you said, they were given to us. They're lenders. And they're only ours for as long as they, as long Mm -hmm. as they live under the, under this roof. After that, like you said, it's what we taught here, what they saw here, what they felt here. And so, you know, I remember when the whole big thing happened with everybody constantly talking about all the chemicals and, you know, people washing things with bleach. And I can't believe you use, you know, this type of detergent. And I remember I made a post that just said like, what's more toxic in your home, the energy between you and your spouse or the chemicals you use? Yeah. Because I could care less if I'm going to clean, you know, some chicken thigh off the counter with some bleach. If the energy in my home mm-hmm. makes my children feel unloved yeah, and scared to come home, right? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and clean right. the bleach. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I just think when you say, I have to share this because it was really a huge moment. My daughter is only five. And last year she, when you say they, they came to us and not through us and she was, it was last year and she said she was just in the middle of a conversation. She goes, I mm. remember that from when I was Girl, in heaven. they know. And I, yeah, I was like, just this casual conversation. But I mean, my oh. heart just dropped to my belly. And I remember clear as day, my son being her exact age. And my son is the one who mm. told us that we were pregnant after years of trying. And I said to him, you know, I mean, he's like I said, he's four and a half years old at that point. And I looked at him and I said, how do you know? And he said, Jesus came in my room and he told me mommy Mm. has baby sister in her belly. And I jumped right to just going to the doctor. I wasn't even going to try to, I was like, I need to know, like, I can't play these games, you know, after everything we've gone through, I was two weeks pregnant. So talk about like, itty bitty tiny little baby longest pregnancy ever but then we had to find out the gender because it's like well he said it's a baby girl I'm not surprised though he was right like we come into this world you know yeah they say you're born into a world of sin and I I get it but at the end of the day like we are when we're born we're the closest to God you know when we're born kids their imagination their freedom Mm. and we should really follow their example. Like we get so far away from it in our programming and what we are and aren't and should and shouldn't be. But when they're young, they don't have as much noise in the way. They don't have as much programming in the way. There's not as much to filter through. Then they actually have a more direct connection to God and Holy Spirit and angels. They can see those things. They can hear those things because they're more open to it. They're not all clogged up by, you know, 25, 30 years of, this and that yeah. and being told what you're supposed to do and well that can't because imagine how many people have probably thought yeah. they heard something and you're like uh-uh, I can't that's demonic I know if I'm hearing something that's demonic so you know what I mean like it's like actually no you exactly so you, yeah you yeah they just feel yeah they feel things they see things they hear things and they're just like mm-hmm. hey mommy guess what you know just very casual you know no big deal and we've tried to use that to our advantage of like, hey, remember when you had that conversation? Yep. Like, that's the same way you can talk now. And keep that's the same stuff you can God. do. Like, and like, I, I, can't, I tell my son all the time, yeah, meditation and stuff like that. Like, I taught him, started teaching him very early. You know, in different ages, we kind of circle back around to different topics. Because my biggest thing is like, I yeah. may not, if I choose, if I am, you know, Christian and I choose Christianity as my journey, and he gets older and he decides differently at the, if I can teach him to keep his connection with God, if I can teach my daughter to keep her connection yeah. with what she hears and what she knows intuitively, then she'll know what to choose for her. She'll know, you know what I mean? Like she'll know That's right. what is her truth. That's versus, right. Wait a minute. Now I'm in this place and this is the religion mom says I should be, but mm-hmm. this is something's missing here because the God in her should be way louder yeah. than anything she hears on someone else. And that's exactly the conclusion of relationship over religion. That was my big poll. That was my big, huge moment where I was just like, this should not be so confined and just revolving around what this one specific thing teaches or how they feel and what they preach, but more Mm -hmm. so like, what does it feel like for me? 
just uh, constantly about feeling and trusting that and getting to know yourself more. And, you know, I, I think that, that what you had said too about, um, oh, I just got <laughs> stuck in the like heaven thoughts and, but what you said, what you said yeah. about how they teach us. And that was a really, um, awakening a part, like awakening part of parenting was that they mm-hmm. can teach us just as much as we teach them. And there is not this like, I am your authority and only I know what's right from wrong because that I feel was part of that religious Mm -hmm. upbringing is very much so like, this is the way, this is what I teach you. This is how it goes. But instead like, well, I I would have loved for a parent at that time, you know, to say like, well, what's your perspective on that? I mean, I I think of these kids being so caught off guard, like you want to know how I feel. Right. Have conversations. Like, we're in because it yeah. reminds it like think about how many parents probably raise their sons and daughters and they are they get great straight A's and they have them on this path to become a dentist or an attorney and that's great if that you know there are people who are supposed to do that for work that's fine and not only that but you can also do that you can be an artist who works as an attorney you it's really like who are you you know what I mean like it's yes who are you not what do mm-hmm. you do for a living, like we're defining ourselves. Yes. Like how many times have we, I'm sure there's parents who are like, oh, he was a straight A student and he was had such a promising future. And then he got into drugs and you're like, no, get to the root of it. Part of the root of it is you constantly right. push them to, you only, did you only cheer for them when they got good grades? Did you celebrate who they were as a person? That's did right. You, when you saw how much they loved their art, did you kind of just toss it to the side? Because those, did they not feel seen? Did they not feel heard? Because now you are looking at your quote unquote, yeah. you know, child who was, so, he was so, he was on the right path until he, he got into drugs because you never saw him as a person. Did they, did he get into, right. Did they get into He got tired. Because they didn't want to be exactly. a doctor. They didn't know how to tell you because they were afraid to disappoint you. Like we have to get to the root yeah. of these things. Exactly. Yeah. Being willing to have all the uncomfortable conversations for the rest of our life, you know, and not, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, Mm -hmm. but they get tired and they go to something else where they can take that feeling away and something else to make them feel appreciated or just to numb it, you know? Um, but uh, I'm so grateful for this. I know, I know you and I could talk forever. Um, thank you for sharing your heart and just going into all the topics that we felt, you know, um, just that we felt led to talk about and dig into. I appreciate you. And um, thank you for having soon. me. Thank I had such so a much, good time. Later.